when the apocalypse inevitably happens, this episode will be invaluable. So make sure you give it a listen, download it right now. Uh, and then when the apocalypse happens, you'll have access to it forever. Welcome to Not Just Any Book Club. Um, this month we're talking about apocalyptic fiction. Post-apocalyptic fiction, to be honest. Post-apocalyptic fiction. Yeah, I guess I guess apocalyptic fiction would be uh, like about the actual process of the world ending. Um, uh, not this time. Yeah, so post-apocalyptic fiction. Uh, my name is Pierce. I read The Road by Cormac McCarthy. And I am Justin, and I just read I Am Legend by Richard Matheson. What's his name? Oh my god, I should know this. Something, yeah, it's somewhere in the ballpark of that. You can trust me that I think I've been named somewhat right. And I'm telling you, right now in the apocalypse, not just any book club episodes will be used as currency, so make sure to really stock up on these episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, we were doing this because we really wanted to do The Last of Us. And, yeah. Yeah. Behemoth of an episode, but it was a quality episode nonetheless. So you can check out that episode that we uploaded last week on all podcasting platforms and our YouTube channel. So be sure to check that out. And, you know, The, the Last of Us is a post apocalypse um, setting. I don't want to say it's a genre, but I mean, I, I guess in a way, more of a setting, um, which is, you know, after the apocalypse happens, um, a lot of stuff just crumbles down and a lot of people die. Um, in my case, it was a disease. And in Pierce's case, it was something. I think it's ever outright said. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I don't, I don't remember it either. I, I also read The Road, so... I may be able to illuminate some points. Um, it's caused by a you, meteor everyone... strike. Oh. Yeah, that is actually interesting. Yeah. Um, I will say that I did read The Road. I am less of a fan of Cormac McCarthy than Riley Pierce's. Considerably so, I know. But don't shoot the messenger here, which I am the messenger of my own message, so maybe, maybe you could. Um, it's it's just a good thing um but i have read it i do have my valid complaints not my valid complaints my unpopular takes about it and um yeah the the, the apocalypse the post-apocalypse genres talks about how society continues to move forward or really humanity continues to move forward and in my case a human moves forward after everything is gone really no point in living anymore it's just terribleness everywhere because nothing works you can't listen to not just any book club when you want to and there's yeah you really and i think post-apocalypse the post-apocalypse setting really explores what it means to just live rather than just merely survive um at least many of the stories that we've read about this yes uh, because i mean once you get into it um you can have people who just survive but the human condition has become more than that as we've like built societies and um, yeah, the, the humanity is more than just surviving. And so if you're in a situation where living is no longer easy, of course it, it brings out that, that it's, it's, it really makes lends itself to that exploration of the human condition. Yeah. So, who wants, should I go first and talk about 
I am legend. We've both read um, The Road, so probably. Okay, so a second, I'll take it. Okay, so I am legend. This was written in 1954. Um, it was by the American writer Richard Matheson, who wrote a lot of just speculative fiction, especially some of the best Twilight Zone episodes. I can't remember particularly what episodes he wrote, but um, apparently um, he, he he was very prolific in his day. Not very prolific. He didn't. He he wasn't as well known as probably the best known science um, science fiction authors. Um, he recently passed in 2013, but um, he recently just saw like. Um, it's forced to get popularized. There's What Dreams May Come, which is a movie starring um, Robin Williams, um, which, I mean, I thought was all right. Other people like it. Um, he also wrote some other speculative fiction, like Frankie Man. Um, you know, all of these prolific science fiction works that um, may not have the staying power, but like they are well-known concepts. He also wrote um, Nightmare 20,000 Feet, um, the episode from... Its own where the guy's in the plane, he starts envisioning a monster on the wing of an airplane. The the really weird episode that's the one you're talking about, <laughs> really? Yeah, just just um, it was just the guy, the guy in the on the wing. He just it's it looks so weird. It's like you've seen that, huh? Yeah, it's it's I don't it's not I don't know, it's not really scary by modern standards. Okay. I don't think it's it just looks really weird. He makes like a weird face. Go watch that yeah. episode if you haven't seen it. It is interesting, but it's it's he he makes like a weird face on the airplane wing. It's funny. Or you can watch, or you can watch the Simpsons parody of it. Either mm. or, you'll have a good time. Um, but yeah, no, the, this guy was really well known. Um, and I Am Legend is probably one of the most influential science fiction works. Um, at least in the post-apocalyptic genre, because this kind of kind of planted the idea. I don't want to say. Um, I I know it had to do with. Haiti's magic or something, Haitian magic or something like that. Um, that's where the zombies really came from. But this is where the idea of a zombie apocalypse came from. And it doesn't have zombies as the main antagonist, but it was very influential as to like how someone would survive the zombie apocalypse and how someone would um basically just go their day to day in an apocalypse and just try to survive using science because um the protagonist, Robert Neville, is just this ordinary guy, and he is, lives in Los Angeles, and basically, he is literally the last person that he has seen in this post-apocalypse for, like, 20 years. Um, he's just very um, secluded. He has no one to love, um, and he has not seen another living human being in who knows how long. Um, he kind of lost track of time, even though he's very anal about, like, you know, having a watch on him at all times. But what I really liked about this was that the fact that... Um, the main antagonist, um, just like um, vampires, um, he he wonders why it's like so closely akin to just like the myth. Like, I don't, like um, vampires are afraid of just garlic and crosses and mirrors. Um, I know I really should have highlighted the explanations why, but there is always a scientific reason. Um, it's never really explained why they're so close to um, just like you know the myth, but it happens to be that way. I um, mean. He gives an explanation for it, which I mean, I'm no scientist, but it sounds scientifically accurate ish in a way. If you really stretch what accurate is, um, it, it is just I don't know. I, I like the at least the attempts to explain it and actually give a scientific grounding to it. Um, and I mean, Robert Neville, um, he I, I doesn't reveal his backstory, but I don't think he was a scientist or anything, but he basically holds himself up in a library and just reads scientific texts like over and over again like laboriously 
um, which I think was really interesting and adds kind of a depth to his character because um, he doesn't really show any emotion. Um, he just, he, again, he, he's very hearted, um, hardened by the apocalypse and not having anything to do. Um, he's very depressed. He's very isolated. He, um, I think he um, stocks up on beer and alcohol from a local bar. Um, and the most important part about this, for some reason, um, of all the myths, the, this part of the myth, he didn't realize that um, vampires only um, come out at night and they're nocturnal and they get hurt by sunlight. I'm pretty sure Dracula was out by then and there are a couple of vampire novels before this. But for some reason, um, so Robert Neville didn't know it. So that's that's okay. So so the main character didn't know. Like who who didn't yeah, know? No, he didn't know. He just, did, he just Neville, straight up didn't know. He had no idea. Okay. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was like a scientific discovery. Like hmm, sunlight that hurts them. Because I I remember in the movie they they make a big deal out of it. Like it's like a huge a huge thing. Um, yeah. Like it's like kind of, I mean, like these things are so dangerous, and in the film he's like trying to get away, and the only way he's really able to get away is by sunlight. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. For some reason, he just didn't know it until um, it happens in the book, and it's like, oh, I can come out during the day. I don't know why, but the thing that um, I have not seen the movie, but I've seen everyone complain about the movie, and I'm pretty sure mm. you know about its infamous ending, how it completely changes. I, I, I won't try to spoil the ending. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of foreshadowing, um, sort of this little thing. Um, one, I think the biggest thing from the clips I've seen from the movie is that the vampires are completely different. Mm -hmm. um, they're very cognizant um, in the book. They're actually able to talk. Um, he looks at his neighbor. Um, I forgot what the guy's name is. His name was Ben. And he's able to talk to him and able to have a conversation with them. They don't look like the vampires they do, uh, that, that, like, like in the movie. And again, also, He's alone. He doesn't have anyone to talk to. Um, and it does dive into his internal thoughts and everything because, like, again, he's not seen another human being. He knows the vampires are vampires because of the very pale skin. Um, and they do try to use strategies to lure him out because they're scared of him. Um, and I think the most important part is here is that Robert Neville, um, basically, he just brazenly goes outside and just starts picking off um, vampires and, like, sometimes mm. even kidnaps them to, like, perform experiments on them which is very interesting because um, you never really see a very scientific based um, apocalypse like that. Like someone that's so ardent on just like trying to find out what it was. Um, and I don't know. I, I just, I, I think it's very interesting uh, as to like how it revolves around this idea of just a man trying to really understand the world around him. Um, and even though he's very depressed, he, not, he even mentions why like he, um, he doesn't know why he's not suicidal. Um, as in, like, he has no reason to be living, but now he's just man just surviving. Um, and he he does hold this part of grief with him. Um, he had to kill his wife and also had to bury her and also throw, also bury her daughter in like a sanctioned fire bonfire to essentially just ward off all the corpses. Um, and eventually, you know, society crumbles and he's the last person living. And it does explore that idea as well. I just these concepts aren't very well explored um, as well as I wanted to. Again, it was very, like, you would expect to be more pulpy, and I do appreciate the attempt for it to like kind of ground it and ask these ideas about prejudice. There, there's an element of prejudice here, which I do not want to spoil, which is kind of interesting, um, mm -hmm. but I don't want to discuss it. Um, maybe we'll put a little bit of a timestamp and say where you should cut off, because I think the ending is very important, and the movie misses that um, completely. Um, and 
but I don't even know what I'm saying. Basically, he just, it, it is very interesting attempt to ground the apocalypse. It's just, the tension wasn't there. The pacing is really weird, too. Um, and, th- like, this is one section of the book where it's supposed to be this very tense scene where, basically, he realizes his watch is broken. And once he realizes his watch is broken, he was like, oh, man, I only have, like, a couple hours to get to my house. Otherwise, I'm going to get destroyed because nighttime is when they come out. And basically, he barely survives his attempt. Um, his car gets destroyed. His house and generator gets destroyed. It's like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And it ends there. Next chapter is like, oh, was it destroyed? I got a new car. Like, it kind of deflates all the tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could have used a little bit more of, um, I guess, an emotional grounding. There was a really good dog scene, which I really like. Um, and did give emotional depth to him, but it just wasn't there. Um, and it, it, I, I, just, I didn't love it up until the end, where it posed a very interesting question. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want me so, to discuss the ending, but so what? What I will say, at least about the ending um, in the film, is that they—I don't know if you've heard—they're making a second movie, where, um, where and they're basically retconning the ending of of the film and they're going to bring it more in line with the ending of the book yeah Uh, and i'm guessing ending and i'm guessing your what you're talking about the the fact that it poses a really interesting question is probably why people were so upset about them changing it because like the ending is it's pretty pivotal Uh, yeah the emotional fulcrum of this entire thing Mm -hmm. um well spoilers ahead um so basically um he meets up with this woman uh, named ruth um who is basically the only woman he's started talking to um basically this is the only person he's seen in like around 20 to 30 years he's so shocked he uh, basically is unable to speak to her um and then um basically he brings her back to her, um his place and she starts wondering why like um, he starts wondering why he's so, she's so afraid of garlic. She doesn't want to be seen out in the sunlight. And she starts. he starts to suspect maybe this woman's a vampire, but no. They, they can walk out in the daylight and everything. So he's like, no. Um, still, he kind of um, starts to get along with her. And then um, Ruth, this woman's name was, basically starts lashing out at him and um, just escapes and just barely knocks him out and wakes up the next day with Ruth explaining, hey, I'm a vampire. We've evolved. And I am, I was here to um, basically get information. I'll try to ward them off, but run while you can. Um, and uh, he doesn't take that seriously for some reason. He just stays at home because um, he he's in disbelief going like, no, nah, there's no way these vampires could really come and get me. Eventually they do. Um, they, they break into his house. And surprisingly, they're civil about it because at the end, it's realizing, uh, he realizes that the vampires have... Um, essentially evolved into um, basically just humans. And it does pose a very interesting question here because now from our, we've been following um, Neville this entire time, he essentially becomes the legend, uh, this thing to be feared um, in the eyes of the vampire society because um, he's been kidnapping them, he's been killing them indiscriminately, and he's been performing all these cruel experiments on these people now, um, which I'm like, okay. Um, and, um, they're, they're sent to be, um, they basically go to his house to execute him. Uh, there's an entire mob, vampire mob, just wanting for his execution to be done. Um, he takes the easy way out and commits suicide instead. Um, here's the thing about that, though. The thing is, I'm like, I have no idea how you're supposed to, like, generalize this to, like, prejudice 
among the human population because mm. they didn't like it's not very applicable if you know if they were actually posed a threat before and then they evolved later on um and it was impossible for you to actually you know kind of civilize them and quote unquote because again they they were basically just trying to um survive or no, no they, they were basically ingrained for you to actually attack anybody it's it it the, the metaphor gets kind of muddled throughout throughout it is yeah. an interesting idea I, yeah. I i understand that i i definitely get what you're saying about the metaphor getting muddled what i would say about it based off of obviously just what i've heard from you is that um the the point the point the larger point i think is just uh, the matter of perspective because we've been following you don't know when when they evolved right like i mean yeah. like you don't actually he could have been it could have been that he was doing experiments on them they evolved and he's been doing experiments now on evolved creatures for a while and they've been yeah, aggressive actually, towards him because they yeah. know who he is or they then they know that he's been like violent towards them so mm-hmm. it's I, yeah i i think i think the 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 larger question is still there just based off what i'm hearing yeah it's probably the worst metaphor for racism i've seen since zootopia mm-hmm. yeah yeah i like... don't i don't i don't think yeah from from what i from the way you're putting it, it doesn't sound like a very good metaphor for racism it does sound like a very good thought experiment in pers- of perspective about perspective yeah um but it does not seem like very good yeah, it kind of metaphor for racism. It, it falls down like a house of cards. I mean, I did really enjoy it in a pulpy kind of way, but I'm like, hmm. hmm. The more you think about it, it's kind of wrong. It it does pose an interesting um question because I, among the vampire society, there's also scientists that like are trying to um preserve the the, the strain that is helping them evolve. And here's um Neville that's trying to eradicate it because he's decided to become a scientist. So, and the, the kind of is general to our real world because. Nazis, um, Operation Paperclip. We had a bunch of scientists that um, developed the rocket that was basically the only reason why we could get we could get to the moon. And there have been, even though e- Nazis were evil, spoiler alert if you don't read your history. Um, spoiler alert. To, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> um, they've been able to develop. I don't use their great technology, but like technology that was kind of advanced. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know if. It, it's probably because of the war um, and un- very unfortunate circumstances. Well, and, yeah, and well, they had a yeah. rocketry division for missiles. Um, yeah, Wunderwaffe, or, something like that. I don't remember. Yeah. Um. So that that was that was that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't hate every book that I that I I find problems with, but like. I enjoyed it from what it was. I don't think I'm ever going to reread this again, but it could have well happened. I, I mean, to you, I would, uh, I, I would slightly recommend the movie. It wasn't a waste of my time, from what I remember. Although, like, yeah. it's it wasn't my favorite movie. Um, so you know, you've read the book. They're coming up with a sequel to the movie. Maybe, maybe give the movie a shot. But I will probably hate watch it. Maybe hate watch it uh well whatever it's it's yeah i i really i didn't think it was that bad i it wasn't like a waste of my time or anything but it wasn't also was not great um wasn't incredible 
Um, well, you need something else to say? Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I was just like, treat it as its own movie and try to ignore the fact that it was based on a book. But even though, I don't know, that's like, it's apparently really hard to ignore the fact that it's literally called I Am Legend and it kind of just betrays the source material. I'm assuming because like I see it like the mother or the wife and then the daughter, right? Are they present in the in the film or something like that? Uh, all I can remember off the top of my head, for, I watched this movie a long time ago. Um, He's alone with his dog for most of the movie. Oh. And then there's like there's like a community of people, but he only meets with like one of them, like a scientist oh, or something. So that's so But Whatever, like, he, but like I don't I don't remember I can't remember anything about the community. The community might honestly not be real. But I can't. I can't. Again, I haven't seen dream. this movie in forever. <laughs> no, I mean like somebody was lying to him. I can't. I but I. Oh. I'm. I might be lying right now because I cannot remember. My memory. My brain might be making up false memories trying to remember this movie. Um. So. So. Yeah. Don't quote me on any of that. Uh, I do remember the scientist woman, but I. I don't remember much about. I think his family's dead. Um. Know in the movie actually why we're talking about the, the do you remember the ending oh um, the actual movie ending i i think i heard he, I I think heard he, he dies himself yeah, yeah he like he himself. like sacrifices himself for the cure or something that oh with the scientist case. lady whose name i can't i can't remember any of their names to be honest so <laughs> uh okay i'm guessing that's why it's called i am legend because oh a, he becomes a, a human legend. Uh, okay, all right. Okay, I remember. Okay, hold on. I just looked it up. I know where I'm getting the colony thing, the like society thing from. It's because he sacrifices himself, which lets the survive the other survivors he's with escape, and then they go find a colony, and they bring the cure with them that they can then. You know, oh. used to save humanity. This is like not Something... even the same at all. Like the monsters <laughs> are different. the The ending is completely different. There, there are actual other people there, which yeah kind of defeats the purpose of it being a post apocalypse. Yeah, it's probably like World War Z, the movie and the book. I haven't read the book. I have the audiobook, which I heard the audiobook is fantastic. But the movie, World War Z, it's all right. So, I, I guess that's the theme here. Hollywood can't really adapt a lot of books most of the time, and eventually, sometimes you get No Country for Old Men, but that's seldom the case. Anyways, that's that's all I have to say. Man, there is a sequel coming out. What? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. No, it is, and they're they're he's taking inspiration from The Last of Us. Uh, in like the world building and stuff, I don't know like, how much that cancels out. But, like, over overgrowth, the like nature taking the cities back and stuff like that. Okay, but that's just that's just like that has nothing to do with plot or anything. That's just like world building stuff. Like the there have been other um, movie adaptations, at least two. Um, there's the Last Man on Earth, and uh, which was released in 1964, which uh, with Vincent Price apparently that's. 
pretty decent. And um, the Omega Man, which um, serves Charlton Heston. I um, the only fact I know about this movie is that Charlton Heston um, is a probably um, he's not the nicest guy nowadays. Or I think he might be dead. I don't, I don't know. He he was a very famous actor, um, but he was very adamant uh, about the the woman being um, what was her name being a black woman, and mm-hmm. it was very unusual for. Um, I, I, very taboo, I would even say, is just for a ha- for an interracial kiss to be happening. So um, he, it, it was very, it was a landmark thing for an interracial kiss to be shown in a movie, especially with Charlton Heston, uh, a big name actor at the time. So I guess that's movie, that's the movie's legacy right there. All right. Um, well, uh, to get back on track to books, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess. Maybe I'll be removing I Am Legend from my TBR, to be honest. So one book off my TBR. It's not that, like, if I guess if, like, you know, I had the opportunity to, like, it was right in front of me and I was looking for something to read, I would consider it. But I'm going to take it off my TBR because my TBR is full of books that, like, your um, TBR like, is have full. To, uh, full, like, as in... The majority of the books yeah. that are there are books that I like don't own. I know yours is like magnitudes bigger than mine because you add yeah. every book you see on Goodreads yeah. to it. But um, I'm a little this more. This is a good selective. airplane novel. This yeah, airplane novel. I'll say that. Probably you could. Yeah, and I think it's short enough that you could probably finish it in a flight, right? Yeah, it's like a hundred ninety-two pages, less than two hundred. So okay. definitely that. Well. The Road. So uh, Cormac McCarthy. Everybody knows who Cormac McCarthy is, right? Like, I don't... Oh, my favorite author? Yeah. Um, yeah, so Cormac McCarthy, some some people say he's the greatest author still alive. I don't... Uh, I probably need to read more literature written recently to have a say on that, but he's pretty... Pretty good. Pretty good, I think, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say he's overrated. I'd say maybe. Yeah, I, I, uh, I like him, and I would say some people overrate him. But nonetheless, um, Blood Meridian is is worth the hype, though. I will stand by that. Um, well, I'm, getting, I'm getting a little off track here. Uh, Cormac McCarthy. So some people say he's one of the greatest uh, authors still alive today um, and still writing. I believe he just released his last book. Passenger like, and yeah. something. So he's old now. He's like, he's really old and he's still putting out books. So we'll, we'll see. That might be his last one, but um, the road itself, uh, very influential. He won a Pulitzer for this. Um, after reading it, I would say that, the Pulitzer was probably more of like a lifetime achievement a than legacy. a legacy achievement than a than a this book is one hundred percent like should be the Pulitzer. Although maybe I mean maybe no better books came out that that year. I don't know. Um, I'm frame. I seem to be framing this as if I didn't like it. I did. I just didn't think it was that good. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he won the Pulitzer for The Road, and The Road went on to influence 
post-apocalyptic media going forward, uh, namely The Last of Us. Um, the Last of Us Which was why he read this, to be honest. Hugely influenced. No, I actually read it because every time you say you hate a popular book oh, on here, yeah. I read it and I'm like, it's not. The, it's either I'm like, this is amazing, or it's not that bad. Um, if you didn't know, for Cormac McCarthy Month, Justin read The Road and he did not like it at all. Um, yeah, are, I mean, not at all <laughs> is a hard. It's a it's very hard. Listen, like, I I know your your rating system is messed up. You gave it a two out of five <laughs> on Goodreads, which translates to you five ish. Okay, I for some reason. Okay, um, but nonetheless, you you thought it was just okay, and it's like it's supposed to be an all time great. Um, regardless, I would actually probably agree that it. It's not his, it's not even Cormac McCarthy's best. I do not agree that it's just okay. I think it's a little bit better than just okay. But okay. it's, uh, yeah. So The Road is, uh, there's not really a lot of plot here. The focus is really on this relationship between a man and his boy, his son, uh, surviving in the apocalypse, or the post-apocalypse. Um, and... Uh, it it gets really dreary to me. It was a little boring at times, and maybe that was part of the part of the part part of it. I don't know. It felt a little boring at times, but then you know, I would be like, "Oh, it's starting to get a little boring," and then something would happen. So, uh, you know, like they would get approached by this this other group of people that the father was scared of, or uh, like a scene I really liked. Or, well, a chapter or a section I really liked was um, the section where they found the um, apocalypse shelter, the the bomb shelter that whoever lived in this house never got to use. I thought that was a really cool section. Um, as you get on towards the end, I felt really good about it. I've really enjoyed kind of the last probably 52, 75 pages. Um, but yeah nonetheless like i i love books with not very much plot like there are a lot of books that i that i really enjoy where the focus is just vibes or characters or character relationships or whatever um but this book i think kind of suffers from it there's just not a lot going on because it's it's such a dreary and drab post-apocalypse um (laughs) Justin, you look a little vindicated. You've got a, like a vindicated look on your. This might be the first time that we've ever been like this, this in agreement is... and contrary to the critics. Yeah, this is this. Yeah, what I what I will say uh, about it having won a Pulitzer, um, I will talk about the writing style, which I know Cormac McCarthy kind of gets kind of gets some crap for for his writing style for a lot of like younger readers, I guess. Oh no, we call it the. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> which I I get, but at the same time, I think it it also lends him. Um, he's a really it's really unique, and it's the things that he's made fun of for. I don't view as bad um, necessarily. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of neutral on them, and so the uniqueness makes it so that way. I I find it really interesting, and I really liked it in Blood Meridian. Here, the structure and writing style. 
um, it really it does kind of add to the um, oppressive nature of the apocalypse. Like it, it okay. does feel really oppressive. Um, I think the biggest thing that I would say about the structure is that it's not something that I really remember ever seeing. It felt, especially because it's not really divided into chapters. He does the like dot thing to separate sections. It makes it feel like a journal almost is a feeling I got, which is, it's not written in first person. Um, so, okay. uh, so like, it's not literally that, but it, it feels like that. It feels like we're getting this kind of day to day experience of these two people in the apocalypse, um, or the post apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, I mean, that's what I would say about the, the writing style and structure. If you don't like Cormac McCarthy's writing style, you're probably not going to like at least any of the books of his that I've read. But uh, if you can get past that, I feel like it does it does offer something unique. Um, yeah. I thought that this relationship between the two was interesting. The biggest thing that's influenced specifically The Last of Us, which I mentioned, uh, is the idea that the that this boy, that this young person, is a beacon of hope in a, a symbol, really really. dark world. Yeah, a symbol. Um, and, um, it's, it's interesting because it becomes clear in the road that the, the man, the father probably needs the boy more than the boy needs the father. And the boy does think he needs the father. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I was about to spoil the book without even like giving a spoiler warning, which I guess I can spoiler warning uh yeah. in a book with for the road from here on out. Spoilers for the road in a in a book that doesn't really have that much plot anyways. Um the father towards the end starts getting sick and then uh he dies. Um and so at the end the boy is left on his own uh but he he finds another person um and he, you know, I would assume that he goes on to be as okay as he can in this like post-apocalypse. Uh, but obviously the father dies and it's, it's very clear that like if the father didn't have him, he would probably take his own life. Like it was, yeah, he, he, he needs the boy to keep going and the boy, um, while he's still probably too young to take care of himself, he clearly doesn't uh need you know need the father 100% like as soon as he's kind of able to take care of himself he'll be good um mm -hmm. and one okay so one criticism also that you made that I was on the lookout for was the boy speaking like an adult um or like what what an adult thinks a kid should mm -hmm. speak like I I didn't really get that as much to be honest. Um mm. I I mean I was on the lookout for it. I really was. It felt like honestly more what it suffered from was an adult like 
he was just right. He was just writing a character, and then he he threw in some like words that that children might say, or like mm-hmm. to make him seem uh, more like more more childlike. Um, yeah, I, I to be honest, like there's not. I don't feel like there's that much more to say about this book. It's very like it's supposed to be very like overwhelming and kind of leave you with this numb feeling, Mm -hmm. this sense of hopelessness. All this terrible stuff is happening. Um, And the relationship between the boy and the father is supposed to be like the one, the one good thing. Um, Yeah. And it is also important to mention that the boy kind of mold, not, kind of prevents the father from going over there at, at the edge yeah. because there's that one part in the book where he has this guy um, at gunpoint with a flare gun and he forces him to strip some of his clothes, which is kind of like unnecessary. And they walk away and the, the boy becomes very distressed. He's like, why did you do that? And then he comes back and prepares it and then it's not there anymore. So mm-hmm. he was trying. Yeah. Um, and there's other, there's other moments like that. Like the boy makes the dad give um, some old man, who's I think he's vision impaired. Um, yeah, something like food. that. I remember this. Uh, he makes him give him food, even though obviously the the father doesn't want to. Like, we only have so much. Like, we can't, we can't just go around handing out food. Um, but he does it anyway. He listens to the boy. Um, so mm. it, it it's... It, there's something to be said about, like, the innocence of youth, but also... Uh, I mean, Cormac McCarthy, this was written in like 2005 or something, uh, 2004, 2006. Oh, published in 2006. Yeah, right. So this, uh, Cormac McCarthy is obviously, he's old now. He was still pretty advanced in age back then. I yeah. think honestly what this book is about, um, because everybody knows books about the future aren't really about the future. They're about today under the surface. And so what I think this book is really about is um, whatever, because he he said in an interview that the reason why he didn't want to really focus on why there was an apocalypse. I just, I just read that when I looked up what, what caused it. He didn't want to focus on the cause. Um, And so like regard though, I think the point is regardless of what got adults uh, who are, you know, voting and and running the world uh regardless of what got them into um crappy situations whether it's you know in historically like civil rights um uh the the lack thereof i mean and the protests for them uh currently climate change um other stuff that's not coming to mind, oppressive structures, et cetera. There's an entire cetera. list. A, yeah. yeah, there's an entire list. Regardless of what that situation in the world is, um, it's young people who are really going to like help us uh, see the light, help us find our way out of it, help us change um, in the ways that are needed. And I think that that's, I mean, that's, it's, it's, a, an inclination and um, a thing that I've heard said by a lot of adults, and I heard them say it when I was very young. Um, and so I think that that's something that Cormac McCarthy is trying to get across in his. Um, I don't know exactly how he was getting older, obviously. Um, yeah. Whatever, whatever age he was, he was. 
past middle age some somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for Mike McCarthy, um, at least from the three significant pieces of work that I've um, seen from him, um, it's that he always has, uh, even though his um, his books are overwrought and just like dreariness, I don't think he's a cynic because there's always a ray of hope mm-hmm. at, either at the end or there's a through line throughout the entire narrative. Um, yeah. Because I, I know that the boy um, in Blood Meridian, um, he... It was very ambiguous to, know, uh, to see if he was like part of the crime, so it doesn't really describe that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though the judge is there and he's committing all these atrocities and making everyone do it, I think Boy always just um, kind of withholds himself from it, and um, he, yeah, pr- he tries to escape and all that. Yeah, um, and and I and I think the the hopeful through line in Blood Meridian, we could we could talk for another couple yeah. of hours about what that means and what he's trying to say about the real world Mm -hmm. in it but focusing on the road what i think the the hopeful through line means for the real world in that is that like you know no matter Mm -hmm. uh no matter what happens to the adults as we kind of get older and and you know we mess up the world or the messed up world affects us uh there will always be young people who will come in and will want change and want us to change and want it to be better and push for it to be better because they don't they don't know you know what it was like before it was messed up or we messed it up or whatever yeah exactly um they can only they can learn from our mistakes and that's Mm -hmm. kind of a hopeful note to end on um and i was also going to add like no country for old men um because um again very overwrought with cynicism but there's a dream at the end that talks about um, the fire being passed on. And actually, mm-hmm. there was a through line with No Country for Old Men. And here, with um, the symbolism of fire, and people are like, this connection there, this connection there. Kind yeah, of I, 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 yeah, I literally just read somebody something online, somebody talking about that. But I, I didn't feel comfortable. Like, I didn't know. I, don't, I haven't read that much about it, so I don't, I don't know. Especially because I haven't read No Country for Old Men. Yeah, but... Not to say that that's not a very sound theory, but you know, you know, but like again, that's kind of an emo- that's a thematic through line throughout all this work. Mm-hmm. But even in terror, the youth will persevere and hopefully change the world for the better. Yeah, and that there's so, there's always some hope alive. Yeah. I think is something that he points to, even in a hopeless, dire situation. There's something, yeah, to hold on. I just to. realized how completely different our books are, just like in terms of the message. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean that I that's that's part of the reason why we do this here at Not Just Any Book Club. So that way we can we can cover these topics and genres and go off in completely different directions if we so choose to. That is very true. Um I I've got nothing else to add about it. I mean, if you want to hear me talk about the road and completely dash it, yeah. You can listen to our Cormac McCarthy episode. I don't think um, we got in. I don't remember us getting as in depth about the yeah, into spoilers and spoilers off the top of my head. But he definitely does bash it for sure. That's, that's, <laughs> that's that definitely happens. Um, okay, I mean, if that's it, uh, next month will be modernism uh, part two mm-hmm. because our. I mean, the episode that Justin does not want you to listen to. We did he modernism, and so we're doing it again to try and do it some justice. Rectify. Yeah. So, um, 
so we'll see. That'll be that'll be April. Um, you can join us next month for that. Uh, and, you can. Oh yeah, we'll be watching a play. Right? Yes. Yes. Ne- next episode will be bookends. We'll be talking about uh, a streetcar named Desire. Um, Tennessee Williams. By Tennessee Williams. Uh, we watched a version of it. I cannot remember off the top of my head, but a national uh, live theater or something like that. London yeah, theater? we got we got absolutely legal access to this re- recording <laughs> of of this of this play. Yeah. So don't worry we're about. Not, yeah, that. we're not talking about the movie. We're not talking about the movie version. Yeah. We're talking about the play version, which they haven't seen. So mm. prepare to be kind of confused. Maybe not. Who knows? Yes. Uh, okay. So. Yeah, uh, if you enjoyed, please give us a like, a rating, follow us, subscribe, whatever is on whatever platform. We really do appreciate it. Um, you can follow Twitter's us. still alive. Yeah, you can follow I mean, us on Twitter, Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter and TikTok at NotJustAnyPod. If Who knows if they'll those be platforms there. exist still, I don't know what's going to happen if TikTok and, and, tw- and Elon goes through with all this stuff he's trying to bring in. We'll see. I don't yeah. know where we're gonna promote our podcast if if uh anyhow. Maybe the younger generation can. Yeah. <laughs> the, that's the hope. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's and if you see uh someone that's trying to advertise the podcast, just tell them goodbye, Prometheus. They'll know what you're talking about.